good afternoon. It feels really good to be here talking to you guys. It has been an interesting week. I mean, my God, that PlayStation showcase. Wow. I'm not going to lie. It was okay. Honestly, there was a few games that were announced here and there that I really didn't care about. But Spider-Man, that was the true highlight of the entire showcase. Entire showcase, and it's always Spider-Man. I mean, I don't even know what Xbox is going to try to compete with because, honestly, you can't do anything without Spider-Man. And considering that Sony has them and has been kicking butt in the video game realm, ooh, it's going to be a hard time getting back on the horse for Xbox. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and start off like we always do with comics, and we're going to stick with Marvel this week because DC... Hasn't really put out any comics that I've been following, so we're just going to stick with Iron Man. Because, like I stated before, this upcoming Fall of X is going to be a crossover between Iron Man and the X-Men because the new Sentinels that are going to be sent out to attack the X-Men are going to come from Stark Industries. How does that happen? Well, here we are jumping in to find out, and that's with Iron Man issue number two. And to start off, we're starting off where issue one left off with Tony sleeping in the trash. He's then picked up by Riri Williams, who says that he's trending on TikTok and basically says that he needs to clean up his act because one, trending on TikTok this way is not the best thing to happen. While she's basically taking him back to his apartment, he begins to talk about the Mandarin rings, which she acquired and apparently in another comic, and how she basically needs to let them go because nothing good happens with somebody wielding them. She talks about how she'll take his notes to heart, but honestly, she's not going to do it. Anyway, uh, she goes ahead, goes back to the apartment. He puts his suit on because she also states that something's wrong with his heart. He puts on the suit and basically gets his heart fixed. During a press conference on TV, someone basically says that they're no longer affiliated with Tony Stark, especially after he starts trending on TikTok. Then out of nowhere, the living laser pops up and basically starts destroying Stark Unlimited. Tony and Riri suit up and they basically go over to find where the living laser is before he basically kills somebody. They end up in Avengers Mansion, which is now a themed hotel. And basically Tony asks what the heck the living laser is doing looking for him. The Living Laser reveals that he wants revenge on Tony for Tony kidnapping him. Tony has absolutely no idea what the heck he's talking about and denies that he kidnapped and experimented on him. They begin to fight and the Living Laser pins Tony down and is about to kill him before Riri intervenes, takes off her suit and reveals that she's wearing the Mandarin rings. She uses them to take all three of them into the Living Laser's head, basically going through his memories to figure out, hey, maybe it wasn't Tony Stark. And they go through their memories and they see someone who looks almost exactly like Tony basically tasing the living laser, which somehow actually works. I mean, I guess his guard was down or honestly, they made a taser specifically to him. I guess either one works, kidnaps him. They also reveal that it couldn't have been Tony. So after they come back, the living laser blasts them one more time and he basically yells at Tony when he finds the guy responsible to give them a heads up. Tony jokes that I guess blasting them and telling them that he wants a team up 
is his way of saying, I'm sorry. They return back to Tony's home where Tony says that until he figures out who is behind this, he wants Riri to stay away from him. He talks about how he has an ace up his sleeve, but unbeknownst to Tony, that ace is dead and the comic ends. And we're going straight into issue number three. And issue three takes off where Tony is at the scene where his friend had passed. And a flashback appears where Tony was trying to recruit his friend who is named, I, I'm going to mispronounce this, uh, I don't know, the Z silent or the H silent? All right, I'm going with the Z. Uh, Zong Wei. And this takes place years prior during the first Armor Wars. And he talks about how he wants him because he knows how to stand up for himself, especially during that time where uh, Wei was basically standing up against AIM. And he knows how to handle a company since his own company went up in smoke. He talks about how he can trust him and we flash forward back revealing that uh, the cops think that Wei committed suicide with a repulsor blast but Tony doesn't believe it and Rhodes meets up with him and they go to Stark's old building to investigate what's going on. They see a lab and Tony mentions that his doppelganger might be in there but Rhodes sensors doesn't pick up any life signs. As soon as they open the lab and open this container and Iron Man suit begins attacking them both. After a little back and forth, Tony uses liquid nitrogen to freeze the suit, which I guess you can use liquid nitrogen to suit to basically freeze any Iron Man suit. I guess that's confirmed. Anyway, once they re uh, take off the helmet, they're in shock because they see a doppelganger who looks exactly like Tony. Even Tony admits that whoever did this job did a fantastic job because the, I guess he looks really like it. And when he touches the skin, it's lifelike. I mean, shoot, if you can shock Tony Stark about how lifelike, like somebody like that is, I guess that's a compliment because think about it. How many people can change their shapes and basically shapeshift? You have the scrolls, you have, um, oh my God, what's her name? Mystique, I don't even know why I blanked out on that one. But afterwards, the guy who's doppelganging as Tony basically mentions that uh, Wei's shares of the company was sold to a charity and picked up, taking away Tony's ace up his sleeve. Because basically that was his ace. He was going to basically use Wei's shares to get back up on top and reclaim his company. But because those shares are no longer there, Tony's basically out of luck and Tony says that he basically knows who's behind this and he might need to start an international incident and that's where the comic ends and here we are going into issue number four. Now issue number four starts with Tony going to the New York Stock Exchange where he meets the person behind everything and a flashback shows that years prior the Avengers tried to terraform Mars but they basically abandoned the project then the mutants claimed it leaving a frustrated scientist named Fei Long angry because he wanted to claim Mars for the human race, not the mutants. He is very much an anti-mutant person. Now, after much scheming, he is now in control of Stark Industries. Tony, being there for when he's being congratulated, says that his friends will be avenged. And after a little back and forth and vague threats, Tony and Fei Long go outside to fight. Tony admits he has absolutely no idea what his powers are and decides to tick him off to see what he's got. So he makes a uh, 
a father joke saying he might have daddy issues and Fei Long responds with opening his mouth and blasting him with a laser, proving that he does have daddy issues. I thought that was actually hilarious. Fei Long admits that Tony actually got a rise out of him and he congratulates Tony. They begin to fight. In the end, Tony wins, leaving Fei Long with a broken arm. He notes that Fei Long either needs to confess to the police and return his company or face the consequences of Tony going all out in a war. Fei Long is in glee as Iron Man flies away since he's finally having a worthy nemesis. Jen Walters tries to contact Stark because Fei Long's lawyers have come in with an audit of the Iron Man tech. She says that he needs to hire a specialist in intellectual property, which actually makes sense because she does more criminal than anything and having a specialist, especially with the fall of X, might help Tony get out of this situation. Will he be able to pay the specialist? Probably not, but again, we'll see what happens. After he's done in space, he goes to Koeka to talk to Emma Frost, and the issue ends. Now, I gotta say, all three of these issues get interesting and more interesting because of the fact that we're building everything up to where everything crosses over with the X-Men. And with the X-Men basically in shambles, with everything going along in their comics, which I would cover if they ever do one book, I'm telling you guys, the X-Men have so many books, different books happening, that whenever they do the crossover, they're gonna do like a little recap of what's been going on. But as you know, if you guys been paying attention with the Sins of Sinister, a lot's been going on. And I'm very curious to see how far Fei Long is gonna go with the Sentinels because that's gonna be insane. But anyway, like I said, I'm enjoying the Invincible Iron Man arc. I'm really enjoying how far they're pushing it. And I wonder if they're gonna have any crossovers with Iron Man going to Captain America, Iron Man trying to use Nick Fury, or heck, even S.H.I.E.L.D. to help him out of this sticky situation. I mean, he has friends, so why not? Anyway, that's it for comics. We're going to be moving on to TV shows. And today, we're going to be talking about an iconic show that's been running for 10 seasons that has finally ended. And that is The Flash. Probably the last, the last show in the entire Arrowverse. Because if you think about it, and before anyone brings up Superman and Lois... That doesn't take place in the Arrowverse. That apparently takes place on a separate Earth, so it doesn't count. Does not count. Anyway, uh, earlier this week, we had the finale of The Flash, which was interesting. Because honestly, for the past 10 years, we've been talking about, hey, The Flash season is good. Hey, The Flash season sucks. And honestly, this finale falls into the sucky category. You know why? Because they had set everything up so well. You had all the speedsters from previous season come here for one last final fight. You had all of them. Savitar, the God of Speed. I forgot some of the others. Reverse Flash, Zoom. And you had them all there ready to fight against the Flash. And you know what happened? They all got beaten easily by Team Flash. Sure, you had Flash go up against the worst of them, but some of the others, seriously? Zoom? Oh my god, Savitar getting beaten that easily? I mean, how the heck do you even do that? Especially 
uh, freaking um, Godspeed. You had Godspeed taken out that badly? Jesus, they, I mean, I get it. They wanted to say goodbye. They probably didn't have enough in the budget to have a big old battle, but they seriously should have done something better than have Team Flash beat them so easily. But anyway, after all that bad writing from the CW, because who else? They basically do a little bit of fan service with Caitlyn coming back, with the Flash saying one last goodbye as he runs, and talking about how the new legacy will continue. And the show ends. And honestly, it kind of hurt because, like I said, I've watched The Flash. Of course, I skipped out on a couple seasons because they really started to suck. But it was a good show all in all. You had the good memories and you had the bad memories. And like I said, this was the end of the Arrowverse. Something that the CW had been building up since Arrow. And it's just crazy that it's ended. And if you think about it, you don't even know if the legacy of the Arrowverse will be held up in years to come. Because if you think about it, no one from the Arrowverse and who has had a hand in it is coming to work on the new era of DC. None of them, not the creator of the Arrowverse, nothing. So it's kind of interesting to see if time will be kind to the shows we used to watch. Supergirl, The Arrow, Black Lightning, definitely not going to be kind to Batwoman. The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and see them as a positive light or kind of see them as, eh, it's just something that used to be. Time will tell and we will see. But uh, that's it for TV shows. Moving on to movies. And they just released the new trailer for Barbie. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. It kind of seems predictable. Of course, you have Barbie played by the ever so lovely Margaret Robbie. Basically becoming more self-aware. And she is told by apparently the crazy Barbie to go out into the real world. And then Ken goes with her. And apparently in the trailer, Mattel finds out that one of their Barbies is out in the real world and is going to try to recapture them and bring her back into the doll world. And you know what? It kind of seems like a by the numbers. I feel like we've done this before, but because it's Greta Gerwig, I'm actually going to give this a chance. Maybe. Kind of. Maybe if I drag my sister to watch it. I don't know. I mean, yeah, okay. Maybe I'll flip a coin. But maybe it'll be good, maybe it'll be bad, but eh, who knows. Anyway, moving on. John Wick 5 has been confirmed and is going to be in early development. I mean, wow. I mean, I get it. Lionsgate really wants to continue making this series and milk the golden goose. But I mean, I'm here for it as long as the quality is there. 4 was a really good movie. I loved it. They have a, a couple spin-offs happening. Of course, you have the TV spin-off as a prequel. You have the ballerina one coming out next year. You know, I'm happy. Even if it takes another three years for them to release the next John Wick, I'll take it as long as we start leaving it to quality and not quantity. Heck, I would love a crossover with nobody. That would be really good. Anyway, uh, another thing that's happening is that we just got the newest trailer from the Flash movie. And how crazy the amount of advertisements they're putting into this. One thing that's interesting is that they have projected that it's only going to open up with $70 million, which is on the low end. And I get that they're worried and releasing all these advertisements because if you really remember, the last two DC releases haven't made a lot of money. 
Heck, they even lost money. So you had Black Adam and you had Shazam. Not really big money makers. So you really, really need to get a W when it comes to the Flash, especially since you're basically resetting everything. Because I don't know if Aquaman 2 is going to be a W, but if the Flash isn't, Superman is going to have to make up for a lot. And I mean a lot. Who knows? Maybe people will go out to watch it or people will skip out because of Ezra Miller. Time will tell. Speaking of time and something I did not expect, we are getting a remake of The Color Purple. But instead of it being a remake of the movie, it's actually going to be an adaptation of the musical, which I did not know was a thing. And you know what? I like that. Instead of making a remake of the movie, going through the same things, maybe doing stuff that wasn't in the books, you're doing a musical, which means it's going to be different. That is actually something I would like to see. One thing I didn't know was the fact that the original director, Steven Spielberg, is going to be producing this movie along with Oprah Winfrey and Quincy Jones, people who were a part of the first movie. So that brings some confidence because they want this movie to succeed and the original people behind it are there for it. It's going to be releasing on Christmas and I'm just hoping that it holds the same amount of weight that the first one did because that movie was incredible. Speaking of incredible, I think Shudder has actually done it. I think they actually did it. I think they actually made a looking decent, I don't know why I flipped those around, a decent looking movie. And you know what that movie is called? They picked the stupidest name they could. I don't even know why they picked this name, but it actually doesn't look like trash. But the title is called The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. Creativeness at its finest. But anyway, the movie is basically about a girl who brings her brother back to life using science similar to Frankenstein. The brother seems demented and begins taking other people's life and getting revenge on the people who killed him. The trailer kind of shows more of a show than tell, making sure that we kind of hear the brother but never really see him. One thing that's kind of cool is that they're kind of using practical effects and uh, basically camera angles that make it seem like the monster is there, which is really cool. Honestly, I suggest you check out the trailer because, like I said, Shudder makes terrible movies. They ruined the Train to Busan sequel with bad graphics and bad writing, but here we are, they actually made a decent movie. Good on them. Good job, Shudder. You at least got one. Yeah. And speaking of terrible, ah, DreamWorks seems to want to destroy all the goodwill they got with the um, Puss in Boots sequel. And this is talking about Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. It looks really bad. I think I talked about this before. The first trailer basically gave away the entire movie. And after the masterpiece that was Puss in Boots 2, I don't know what the heck DreamWorks was thinking. Hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this turns out to be really great, but it really doesn't look like it has much personality. Anyway, that's it for movies moving on to video games. And like I said in the beginning of this video, the PlayStation Showcase was amazing. I mean, some of the best games they were uh, basically were announced. One of them was something I was completely caught off guard of, and that is Bungie. Bungie is making a new game. Yes, it is called Marathon, 
And it's been a while since Bungie has created anything when it comes to a new IP. The last one they did was Destiny and they just celebrated 10 years. And apparently this is going to be a sci-fi PvP extraction shooter where players will be playing as cybernetic mercenaries known for uh, basically as runners exploring a lost colony in search of riches and fame. And so far, this game is only for PC and PlayStation. It will not be on Xbox, which honestly, I think Bungie is totally okay with considering how bad Microsoft left them. Anyway, this is going to be both cross-play and cross-save, and it will not be a sequel to their original marathon game in the 90s, but take place in the same universe. And I know I said this is going to be a new IP, but considering how much fresh blood new blood that they're coming into Bungie since the start of the company, it's really cool that they're revisiting their first IP and creating something new out of it. Apparently, uh, none of the people are from the first game might, are going to show up or they may show up. They weren't really clear. It's obvious that this thing is still early in development, but I'm really happy for them. So there is no release date, like I said, but... Honestly, Bungie has done a really good job in the past 20 years coming up with great games. And honestly, Halo has been terrible ever since they left. But anyway, moving on, the trailer for Mirage Assassin's Creed was shown, and it is amazing, showing us the traditional, the traditional Assassin's Creed gameplay that we've all come to love. I am personally happy because I think the new stuff sucks. And the fact that we're moving backwards, back to what made Assassin's Creed great, I'm happy about it. I hope we really, uh, I hope everybody buys this game because I know I'm going to support this game so we can show them that we do not need an RPG like the previous Assassin's Creed games were. We just want the simple stuff. And if we can get that, maybe everybody can be happy. Anyway, speaking of happy, and this really brought a smile to my face, we actually got a teaser for the upcoming Destiny DLC called The Final Shape. And you know what made me super happy? The one thing that really brought a smile to my face was that Cade 6 is back. Nathan Fillon is returning to voice him, and I am so excited. I remember playing when he died. Oh my god, was that devastating because Cade 6 was such a likable character. And the only Guardian to basically have a good sense of humor and a personality. I still remember the trailers for Destiny 2 coming out where his trailer was honestly the best. And I don't know if they were already planning this to bring him back or because of Zavala's voice actor passing away, they decided to bring him back. Who knows? Heck, mine and a friend's working theory so far is the fact that since we're traveling into the Traveler... Everybody who's died with the light is in there, kind of like a ghost. Not like a ghost machine, but like a ghost ghost. Maybe we'll get him back permanently, I'm not sure, but I'm happy. Heck, I think we might be facing some of those dark lights, you know, from the hive. Was it the hive? Yes, it was the hive. You know, the ones where you kill them, you gotta destroy their dark ghosts. Maybe we'll get more of that. Heck, I'd be annoyed, but I'd be happy. Definitely be different from the Vex. I really do not like the Vex, especially their like exploding little things. I can never remember their names. If you remember their names, I'm sorry. I should know. I just played Destiny yesterday with their new dungeon, which is actually a lot harder than I thought it was. Anyway, I'm digressing. 
moving on, another thing that was shown that I was completely caught off guard with was a remake of Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater. And honestly, I originally thought it was a new game in the series, but someone brought up that it's a remake of Part 3. Now, I'm sorry if I didn't recognize it, but I've never been a big Metal Gear Solid fan. So I don't really know much of the lore, but I can see why they're doing a remake since the brains behind Metal Gear Solid is no longer with Kojima and the last time they met a Metal Gear game, it sucked really, really bad. So them remaking one of their best games, I can see why they're doing that. Hopefully it does well and they're able to take Metal Gear Solid into a new direction and they're basically re-releasing the first three Metal Gear games. So if you were a big Metal Gear fan, there you go. You'll be super happy about it. Speaking of happy, the long-awaited sequel to Alan Wake dropped a trailer, a full trailer for Alan Wake 2, something that people have been waiting for for basically 10 years, which is insane. But everybody's happy. We're going to see how the story continues with Alan's journey. We're also going to be playing as somebody else as well, a female agent, which should be interesting. I liked the first game. It was definitely a game I did not expect to like. I remember when I got my Xbox One, I got the code for the game and I'm there like, what the heck is this? Eh, I'll try it out on board. Ended up loving it. One thing I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. The one thing that caught me off guard is I really thought it was going to be a John Wick game because Alan looked so much like John Wick. If you go see the two trailer, you will agree with me. Everybody in the comments was like, oh, we're getting a John Wick game. We're getting a John Wick game. We saw Alan Wake in the background. We're like, oh, never mind. We're wrong. <laughs> uh, one of the fun times where I've been wrong and I've been happy. Anyway, uh, one thing that made me happy because I predicted it. I'm telling you now, I predicted it is we're getting another Five Nights at Freddy's game. You know why we're getting another Five Nights at Freddy's game? Because we're getting a movie by October. And you know what it is? It's a sequel to Help Wanted. So, ha! Those who doubted me. Those who doubted me. Do not doubt me. I know most things. Not everything. Most things. But like I said, I knew they were going to create a game. Didn't know it was going to be a sequel to Help Wanted. Especially since it's going to be for the PSVR 2. I mean, playing a VR game for Five Nights at Freddy's, if you want to scream, there's your chance. But... Like I said, I knew the developers were smart. They just waited for the right opportunity in the PlayStation Showcase. Perfect opportunity. Speaking of a perfect opportunity and VR, uh, Resident Evil 4 is getting a VR mode. Who was surprised? No one. They did the same thing for 8 and they did the same thing for 7. Not surprised, but it should be interesting. Anyway, there was a bunch of other games announced, but honestly, didn't really care for any of them because everybody, everybody had been waiting for the one game, for the one game trailer, and it did not disappoint because Spider-Man, wow, they gave us a really good Spider-Man 2 gameplay trailer. We got actual gameplay and it was amazing. And it did not only reveal that Venom and Kraven will be the villains, but the Lizard, which makes sense and I'm super happy about it. And apparently this is going to be telling the story about how Peter got the symbiote. And I'm guessing Miles will help him when it's time to take off the symbiote, when it starts to corrupt him. We might get an actual battle where we're facing Peter as Miles Morales, which will be kind of cool. The gameplay looked amazing. The combat, 
we actually saw Peter using the suit and wow did it give him some awesome powers especially like the tentacles things he reached out grabbed like four people at once threw them up in the air and slammed them down some of the extra moves went really well miles apparently got a powers upgrade whereas the electricity is blue and there was a chase scene because there's always a chase scene where we're going after the lizard and we're switching back and forth between harry and miles and apparently we're after the lizard because Craven's after the lizard. But one of the main reasons is because Professor Connors is the only person able to heal Harry. And I think they're going to be kind of switching up how Peter gets the symbiote. Because if you remember, Norman had the symbiote at the end credits, I think, of the first game. So it's going to be really cool. I'm guessing the gameplay was showing some maybe less halfway through the game or maybe towards the middle, towards the end. Who knows, but honestly, if they're going to fit Venom in there, it's definitely going to be one long game. One thing I really think is going to be happening is that we're going to be teased the Goblin. Whether it's going to be like a full Goblin fight or he's going to, Norman's going to die, become the Green Goblin and tease for the villain in the next game. And one thing I'm happy about is if you guys remember, the first Spider-Man game had DLC. I'm hoping they do the same thing for this. And honestly, throughout the trailer, seeing the lizard be this big bulky thing who is huge, which was making me super happy because it's going to be an interesting fight. My favorite part of the entire trailer is where they had Genji. He was following them around in a hacked drone. They literally overpowered this thing, made it explodey, and they yeeted him to one of the ships and Genji's just screaming as if he's actually getting yeeted loved it laughed oh it makes me so excited so they did confirm it's coming out this fall what they did not say was an exact date because I would have already pre-ordered that game anyway I'm super happy about Spider-Man it's gonna be a really good game and by god the one thing that kind of sucks is they shut down uh that is gonna be co-op that would have been really been fun but then again live action games have never done any good so we'll see what happens but like i said the showcase was fantastic i can't wait to see what other stuff pops up there was this one game in the showcase that looked really dumb and it was basically a splatoon clone but instead of foam it was paint another like standard rpg games that look copy and pasted like I said, the ones I did really talk about were actually the ones that I actually got excited about and caught my interest. The, the rest, eh, not that much. Anyway, uh, that was basically it for the PlayStation Showcase. Oh my god, I almost forgot. How did I almost forget about this? Uh, PlayStation is apparently releasing a handheld that will allow players to play games from their PS5 into this handheld. They released that it's going to be Wi-Fi only, which kind of sucks. Because if that's going to be the case where you have to be, one, you have to have a PS5 and you have to be connected to the Wi-Fi for both, which I, under, I don't understand why they're doing that. And they're also releasing wireless headphones. Me, I just don't, I'm not headphones, earpieces. That's, that's what I'm thinking about. But honestly, why release something like that? That need, you need a PS5 to play and you need to not, you have to be in the vicinity of your PS5. Like, why? Depending on how much this costs, it may not go over well. Especially since you had, what, the Oculus, the Steam Deck, and a bunch of other handheld stuff coming out. And depending on how much this costs, if this is not under 100 or at the most under $150, it's not going to sell well. Especially for $150, bucks, you can get a Switch Lite. 
which honestly would get you a lot of games. But anyway, I mean, Sony will be Sony, so we'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, one thing that was announced that took me by surprise is that the Last of Us multiplayer game that Sony has been uh, basically advertising and teasing is basically going to be delayed, which actually made me worry. But after it was revealed that it's because of the criticisms Bungie had about the game's long longevity, I'm actually happy about that. You know why? Because it's really great that Sony PlayStation is getting Bungie to review their game, see and point out the problems, and basically use constructive criticism to help them build this game up. Some people I saw in the comments were like, oh, that's terrible. Why are they delaying it? Oh my God, Bungie's criticizing it. What are they doing? And I'm thinking to myself, that's good that Bungie's criticizing it. You know why? Because remember, they basically own one of, and this is an opinion, but arguably one of the best multiplayer developers out there using them to basically review a game that is multiplayer from a developer that's not used to doing something like this and making constructive criticisms to make the game's longevity good, making it so players can come back to it after a long time not playing it building up a player base you know how good that is and how i don't know ea and microsoft should take notes i mean look at 343 it's in shambles they haven't made a great story which kind of is the point you want somebody who's made good stories you want them to come in point out the faults and adapt and that's what sony is basically doing with the last of us so if it gets delayed good we want the product to be fantastic, and if Bungie is reviewing it and basically saying it's not ready, it's not ready. That's all there is to say, and I'm happy that they're doing that. So, I don't get what all the criticism is. Bungie knows what they're doing, and I trust them. Speaking about knowing what they're doing, uh, Dead by Daylight's mobile game is now available. <laughs> you know what? I don't understand why they went the mobile route. I mean, I guess to build up their player base because it's free, but you know what they should have done, which would have been really great, especially with how the game is played? They should have made a VR version. You know how much money Dead by Daylight via VR would have been? That would have been really great because you would have made a game where streamers would have wore the helmets, would have went into the game screaming because, oh my God, the killer has found me. You know how easy money that is? And marketing? I mean, you could have teamed up with the Oculus, teamed up with PR's VR too, to do that. You could have teamed up with a lot, but I mean, who am I but just a lonely fan? Maybe they'll do it, but hopefully they do, because like I said, I really think the mobile market should have been waited upon until they got the VR out of the way. Anyway, speaking of problems, the creators of Gollum, yes, the Gollum game, which apparently everybody does not like. I think IGN gave them a 4 out of 10. I honestly think they should have went with GameSpots with a 2. Or did I switch them up? Anyway, the creators are apologizing for how bad their game is. And even though it was obvious from all the trailers, the gameplay trailers and everything, apparently Warner Brothers has blessed them with the opportunity to make another game. That has been confirmed. Why? For what godforsaken reason would Warner Brothers 
want to give this studio that made arguably the worst Lord of the Rings game another chance to ruin another one. You don't need to top this. You need to stop them. And apparently the codename for this is Magic. Unless it's a remake of a previous uh, Lord of the Rings game from the PlayStation 2 era, stop. Just stop. Warner Brothers needs to get their gaming industry together because they haven't released a good game in a while. I mean, look at what? Gotham Knights. Terrible. Terrible. And with what is going on with Suicide Squad kills the Justice League and how much criticism they got from that trailer, I have no hope. I really don't have any hope for Warner Brothers. The only good thing they have going for them is that they have the Nemesis system, which they aren't utilizing for some reason. Uh, this is going to be a long, long two years with Warner Brothers. I hope Discovery really cleans up their act. Heck, have James Gunn give his two cents on the gaming industry with Warner Brothers. Maybe they'll get somewhere. Maybe. Anyway, that's it for uh, video games. Moving on to nerd theories. And honestly, for my nerd theory, I think we're going to be entering a new era of multiplayer games for the PS5 console. Because if you think about it, they're starting off with Marathon. Marathon is not coming to Xbox, from my understanding. It's only going to be for the PS5 and PC, which is a good start, especially coming from Bungie. And I think with them having Bungie look at some of their ideas for multiplayer games, especially from studios who don't have a basic, not a basic understanding, but experience with making a good multiplayer game, I think that's good. They're basically taking the steps because that's the thing they're missing that Xbox has a handle on is the multiplayer games. Because think about it, you have Gears of War, which is big in the multiplayer. You have Halo. Now with them owning Bethesda, you'll probably have that. You have um, them owning Activision and Blizzard, so they're kind of cornering the multiplayer market. But since Sony is having their developers work on new stuff, new innovative ideas, we might actually have some new IP, new franchises flourish. I mean, Sony's taking the right route here. They're taking their time, not taking their time like Xbox is with releasing, I don't know, a first single player game that's actually good. Yeah. When was the last time Xbox released a exclusive game that was good? It's been a while, but when it comes to Sony, I mean, sure, the last multiplayer only game was back in the two, or like late 2000s, 2009, but they're learning from that. And which is a good thing. They're taking their time. Like I said before, they're basically putting the soil in, planting the seed, watering it, waiting for it to grow. And who knows, maybe in the next five, six years, PlayStation will be on top with not only single player games, multiplayer game exclusives. And that's what we want to hear. Because honestly, Sony's winning. And that's actually something I'll be talking about again in current events. Because in current events, the EU has revealed that PlayStation sells four times more than Xbox. Which is kind of cementing my previous point. PlayStation is winning the console wars. Because if you really think about it, they've been pushing successful exclusive actor exclusive. Sure, you have some hiccups upon the way. I'm looking for a spoken. That was a bad game. But if you look at their others, God of War, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, Spider-Man, Ghost of Tsushima, Ratchet and Clank. You have a lot of these winning awards and selling well. And what does Xbox have? 
One thing that kind of sucks is that Xbox puts everything on Game Pass. So you don't know if people are playing it because it's good or if because it's on Game Pass. And even then, you have players basically making fun of their games because of how bad it is. Like I said, Redfall is a perfect example of that. And one thing that's kind of smart that PlayStation is doing is that it's waiting to put their games on their own version of Game Pass and they're waiting a couple years before releasing it on PC because as they stated, the console players is who they're focusing on, which is good because it makes us feel special. It really does. And like I said, if somebody wants to play Xbox games, they just need to buy a PC. They don't have to go and buy themselves an Xbox. They really don't. Me, personally, I have a PC to play all my Xbox games in. I don't need an Xbox. I really don't. I can just play it on PC. And when it comes to the PlayStation exclusives, I have to play it on PlayStation because I can't play it nowhere else. I mean, come on, guys. It's over. Heck, I may be wrong. Maybe in a few years, Xbox will come out on top with a great exclusive. But then again, maybe they won't. Heck, their investors, their shareholders are basically looking at Xbox and saying, what are you doing? Why are you letting PlayStation win? Maybe that'll give them motivation because healthy competition will create some great games. Look at the 360 era. You had Gears of War 2, Gears of War 3, Halo 3, Halo Reach. You had arguably the best games. And because of that competition, you got God of War 3. You had The Last of Us. You had some really good games come out of that. And honestly, if no competition comes out and challenges PlayStation, we might get some bad PlayStation games because of that. I want Xbox to succeed because that means we'll get some competition and people will be like, oh, this is the best game for this uh, console. This is the best game. But who knows? Maybe PlayStation will keep on winning without any competition of their own. Because, I mean, I'm not going to count PC because PC wins. Yeah, PC's got a bunch of games that the other two can't compare with. But like I said, as far as consoles are going, PlayStation is definitely winning. Again, that's my opinion. You are more than happy to disagree with it. But anyway, uh, that's it for this week's episode. Like I said before, I'm actually going to be going on vacation for the next two weeks, so there won't be a new episode until I come back. But anyway, I hope you guys be safe. Sayonara. Oh, and if you're wondering where I'm going, I'm going to be in Alaska. So if you're in Alaska and going on a Norwegian cruise, look me up. Anyway, like I said, sayonara, see you later, and have a blessed one. Goodbye.